Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hi everyone, so we're doing another fireside chat, um, which is a chance for us to kind of get to know the people behind ITAM. And I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by Melad Tashdazar, who is an IT asset manager at JustEatTakeaway.com. Got to get the full full name in there. Based out, <laughs> based out of London. How are you doing, Melad? Yeah, not, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. We were just talking about um, just before we started recording about the the name being somewhat longer now because of a, a merger. Was it a merger or an acquisition? It, w- it was a merger. Um, I think around two to three years ago between Just Eat um, and Takeaway.com. Great. Do you want to just give, I mean, I think most people will be familiar with the brand, or at least if they don't know Just Eat, they might know one of the other brands. So do you want to just let people know what, what Just Eat is, what they do? Yeah, so JustEatTakeaway.com um, is one of the leading global online food delivery marketplaces. Uh, and it basically brings together all the consumers, the restaurants, and we support around 22, I think, or 23 countries. Wow, it's a lot of countries. Yep. So you may know us as Just Eat. You may know us as uh, Toys Bizur, sorry, uh, in, in Holland, um, Leferando in Germany, or switching sides of the pond. Canada has skipped the dishes or even menu log in Australia and New Zealand. So there's there's many various entities and, and we're all part of the big JustEatTakeaway.com. Fantastic. So these fireside chats, we like to kind of get to know people and kind of what their journey was, how they ended up in ITAM, how how they see ITAM. So that's kind of going to be the focus of this this conversation. So I'll start yep. at the at the start, which is, Pretty much how did you get to where you are to be an IT asset manager at Just Eat Takeaway? Oh, well, just being completely honest, like a lot of the people I've spoken to actually in ITAM and a lot of the community, you kind of fall into it. Um, so it's it was, well, 10 years ago anyway, it was slightly a niche. It wasn't something that you'd, you know, you'd go and study for or um, no, very true. specify that you wanted to be an IT asset manager or some sort. Um, But around 10 years ago, I started a position at Imperial College London and, you know, it it wasn't very related to ITAM, but the position after that uh, was around hardware and software deployment, Um, you know, how we how we provide it to the students and the staff. Um, And ever since then, I've gone through quite a journey, actually, to to get to where I am at the moment. Um, You know, I've done work in everything from procurement uh, throughout the life cycle, management, deployment, you know, even application virtualization, things like that. So it's, it's a varied journey, but um, it was always the aim to end up in this position. And my future aim would be global ITAM manager or VP uh, of asset management somewhere. Um, mm. You know, that's just a personal, personal goal for me, but, um, the switch to Just Eat about a year ago was amazing. Uh, so many new challenges, so much to learn. 
it is such a different ball game um, when you're trying to do it globally. And it brings so much more to think about um, in terms of how we manage our assets, software, hardware, you know, our entitlements, mm. our contracts, agreements, uh, everything and everything in between. It is very varied, um, but it it all started from Imperial. So I'm very grateful, actually, very thankful as well for the, for the opportunities I had at Imperial. Um, you know, it's a completely different sector, education. Yeah. And, and the, the sites weren't as obviously far and spread out as they are in Just Eat. Um, so it was, it was very different, but I got to help mature the, the ITAM program over there over the years and, you know, kind of hone my skills a bit, um, learn a lot. And, you know, nine years I was there. So it was, a, it was a very long time. At what point, because it sounded like you were doing lots of different bits that kind of fit into the, the ITAM mold. So kind of doing the procurement side, software deployment, those various bits that kind of are kind of the perfect grounding for ITAM. Was, was there any point along that where there was a realization that ITAM was a thing that you might head towards? Yeah, was that so, always the goal or no, I'll be honest, it was, later? at the beginning, it was more around just providing the, the, the end users with their kit, with their software. You know, it was very, very different. It was quite archaic in, in the beginning. You know, we were using tills. It was <laughs> it was completely different. Um, that was actually one of my first goals was to get rid of that till. Um, <laughs> Worthy goal. Uh, yeah, it was. It just wasn't it. It wasn't working. It was unnecessary. Um, I didn't ever expect students or staff to have to pay for things. So, you know, you, you go there to do your job and your job should come with the, the tools that you need. So removing old processes, you know, changing the processes, improving things, it all helped kind of streamline the, you know, the, the ITAM program, bring in some best practice uh, which only taught through maybe, you know, certifications here and there, um, learning new tooling, uh, things like that. So, yeah, it wasn't, the end goal was never set in stone of being an ITAM manager. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I went through various different roles, mostly software-based. Um, and so hardware came into it slowly as well. And, and we just progressed. We just took everything on head on and, you know, that's and then you became full ITAM at some point. Is, can you can you trace a part in your career was when it was a full? Yeah. Was, that, was that when you moved to Just Eat, or was there a, um, a moment where you went, "Oh, I'm ITAM now"? Yeah, so I did a lot of hardware and software at the beginning. Uh, slowly honed mostly onto software, um, mostly because of how the team was set up, things like that. And uh, further on, right before I left. I was the asset and service catalog lead. So uh, I ended up managing the software hardware and getting involved with service catalog, which was new to me. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was also something nice um, to understand how that plays its part in, in ITAM um, and the wider IT organization. So yeah, it, it kind of, came with it and you know when they see that you can manage um you always end up getting more right so <laughs> mm. uh, it, it, it fell into place was that what attracted you to 
the kind of ITAM type roles is this ability to see progress and see the optimizations actually yielding results. Absolutely. I think yeah. I, had a, I had a conversation the other day and someone asked me, um, you know, what interests you about ITAM? Well, why do you do it? And I said, the, the number one thing that interests me is, um, well, without quoting exactly, it was problem solving. Um, myself, I'm quite, well, I find I get to, get to answers without being able to explain exactly how I got there. Um, and that kind of intuitive trait, I think, lends well to ITAM. So you come up with a solution for something or an issue or a concern that we have. Um, and without, without showing the steps, you know in your head how you're going to get there. But then that's where the challenge comes is to, to document and explain, show the process, the procedure, um, whether that fits into your policy, you know, or whether you need to make an improvement. And then, yeah, educate and kind of train everyone around you about it. Nice. Like it. Oh, you're born for it then, clearly. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about kind of your, your day-to-day role now. Um, yeah. What does a, dip, a typical day look like? I know that's a, a cliched expression because the cliched answer oh, would be, no, two days are the same. But, you know, what generally fills your day? Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be straight up with you. No two days are the same. Fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, apart from BAU stuff, like, you know, assisting with software renewals, um, you know, helping with license compliance or even just advising for anything ITAM. Uh, in the last, so I've only been here, what, 11 months now. It's very, very different to, to what I was doing in my last position because that was a lot more operational. Um, you know, I was managing, managing, excuse me, managing a team um, who were very much operational. They would provide, uh, and they they were very much ticket based, etc. Um, but here, my role is more around bringing our item transformation. So, some of the things that I've done in the last year or so uh, is mostly around creating a process scope for item you know, uh, documenting, uh, introducing new concepts or checklists or things that we need to to make use of here to bring us up to best practice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, getting involved with ITAM policy, uh, how how the processes work, how the teams align globally because they may be doing different things, although they are doing things well, it might not be the exact same way. and we want to kind of align everyone to best practice. So that's kind of what I'm getting involved in now. Is that, um, your, is that like your, your main your main kind of focus at the moment is the alignment of the, the processes? Yes and no. So I'm okay. also going through the processes. So we're reviewing them, implementing some we don't have. Um, and I'll be honest, when you ask a question or you review one thing, it brings on a thousand more questions. Um, so you end up starting with reviewing the software request process and, and end up with, you know, helping out with an IT asset disposal process. It, it just varies so quickly and everything changes, especially at Jet, very, 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 very fast. It's very fast paced, very agile. Um, but yeah, so you, one day you could be discussing asset tagging 
and the next you're talking about you know an IT catalog and ITSM tooling or yeah it's it's very varied and no two days are the same I'll be honest but we want we have goals you know we have a roadmap uh, we have our vision we know what we want um, and we just have to progress together. Fantastic and have you I know you haven't probably been there long enough but have you got any successes you're you're proud of even if it's um so far at just deep but maybe not there maybe maybe in your previous role yeah so i mean proud of (laughs) yeah i'll talk about a couple at just eat so um recently we introduced an it asset disposal uh contract um phase one is the uk providing it goes well uh we we will see residual value come back our devices um you know we'll set up a partnership with this new contracted vendor and in a few months time once reviewed we can hopefully release that globally so we have complete vision uh, of our disposals you know complete records and reports um the value back is not really the aim but it's a bonus we can use it towards charitable donations or even offsetting costs for devices to be wiped, um, you know, and then given to charity after certification, etc. So that that was one, um, which I'm hoping will will, you know, provide more fruit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I would say having the the discussions because this is what is bringing everyone together. So it's gathering all the stakeholders or, you know, like I like to say, this, doing the discovery phase is talking to everyone, bringing them up to speed about what ITAM is, what you're here to do, etc. I'm, I'm, you know, very lucky to now be part of a larger team where we have other change managers, service managers and other asset managers um, to kind of get full coverage. So we, we've, you know, we're trying to set up a very good service and change management team um, here at Jet, and hopefully that will help. That will help later on down the line. But yeah, so other success stories, mostly software um, consolidations, so agreements where there were multiple because of the mergers and acquisitions over the years, and kind of bringing them in house, setting up one master agreement or one ETLA, ELA. Um, ESA, whatever you want to call it, depending on who you're who you're targeting, and uh, you know, showing cost saving, reducing risk, and bringing visibility over all our licenses in one place. I think that was the main goal for me, mm. and and it will be for the next couple of years because there are some renewals which haven't yet expired that you know haven't yet given us the opportunity to to consolidate. Um, my favorite one for both here and when I was at Imperial was Adobe. Their licensing is, Mm. you know, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a lot easier now that it's all, you know, portal based with, you know, you assign a user and you're kind of done with it until they they move. Um, But having multiple agreements of those never ever helped. So that's the first, one of the first things I always check is Mm. software consolidations. I imagine consolidations it would be a bigish big part of your job with with all the yeah. acquisitions that the company's yeah. had and it's a very fast moving company from what i can from what i can tell um 
I'm just contrasting it to say something like a, a an old corporate that you know their main challenge might be older software and knowing what to do with that and whereas you've probably got a lot more fresher software but you've got loads of it all over the place because of different yeah, it's, um, things it's funny you say that because uh what did i say i like to call it uh you know it asset management is is hard in the small organizations or in the older organizations like you just mentioned but you know it's even harder when you're multinational um you know you've got really complex technology stacks um there's a there's a large footprint for the cloud infrastructure and you know you've you like i said you've got loads of historical acquisitions you know mergers and acquisitions so with all that it just makes it even more complex but you know we're we're working we're looking to make this this huge transformation in how we manage our assets and um touch wood uh not not much gone wrong yet so <laughs> um we'll get there i was just thinking of the um the old gartner phrase that every company is now an it company and obviously just eat is a prime example of one of those kind of new generation companies that is largely built on its software you know things yeah. like the airbnb models things like that you know it so prime role for an itam to, to get stuck in interesting yeah absolutely so with that in mind how how do you think itam is perceived in the organization do people know who you are is it in case you've got to bang doors down and, and show people <laughs> um so that's actually one of our goals really so within the new team uh we want to make ourselves a lot more visible um, we want to communicate out to the rest of the, the wider organization what we do, um, you know, how we can help, where, where they can, you know, get in touch and how to contact us, how to set things up. Um, but initially, yeah, it was pretty much me coming in, talking to everyone, understanding what they understood about ITAM, um, trying to find interested parties uh, to help progress tasks and, you know, find local champions because essentially in the future, that, that is what will be very helpful is in a multinational business, it's so hard to do things with just one team. So you need, you really do need to champion locally. Um, otherwise it's near impossible. So I'm hoping we can set up champions in each local office. Um, doesn't necessarily mean we'd manage them, but they would, you know, we'd have regular catch-ups. They would help progress the program as well internally, uh, locally, sorry. And just to keep things kind of moving. Okay. And then taking that aside, looking closer to home. Yep. I, how, how do you describe ITAM when you're thinking about your role? Or, or maybe if you describe it to a family member. Or someone who's completely outside of this world maybe in <laughs> IT. Oh dear. Know, they go, what it's... on earth do you do all day? Yeah, I help uh, I help the company uh, save money. No. Um I, it's really weird because it's you can explain it a thousand and one different ways, hmm. but essentially it's just a set of practices. Um, you know, we help to to bring together different responsibilities um 
and try and manage the assets that we have in the best manner. So that's whether it's software, hardware, um, or cloud, you know, we, we need to help put things in place and help proactively manage the assets to make sure we're getting the most out of them. Uh, we're not, we're not non-compliant or uncompliant, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, make sure we're compliant basically with the assets that we have and we make the most of the assets um, all the way from purchase through to disposal. So that's the easiest way to-, to A life cycle. Yeah, yeah the full yeah. life cycle. Um, generally it's split between software and hardware. That's, you know, I think that's widely known, but there's so much more involved in it now, so. Excellent. And then I think you've said many things that you, that you like about ITEM, but if you had to describe one thing that you love and one thing that you hate about this industry, yeah, you got, what do you think? Um, I would say the love would be data. I love working with data. So the data that comes out of, for example, an ITAM tool, um, it can help make some really big decisions. Mm. Um, you know, I really, really push for the data-driven decisions so that it doesn't even have to be within your area. You know, it could help um, different programs outside of, outside of IT. It can, it can help you set up, I don't know, really complex um, persona-based licensing or department-based licensing, things like that. Just knowing what's out there, you know, who's got what, what's installed, what they're using, things like that. You can, you can use that information to do a hell of a lot. That is my love in ITAM mm -hmm. is data. Um, my hate would be the unknown. <laughs> so the data you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, just, just the unknown, not, not having discovery in place, um, not having all your assets, you know, in an inventory, um, whether that's hardware or software, not linking things. So for example, your entitlements to your contracts and agreements, that is a big hate for me. Um, just the unknown and the uncertainty of what you have. Because, um, you know, anytime I go into a meeting with a vendor around renewal time, I like to know up, you know, beforehand what we've got, how many we've got, how we've utilized it, you know, is it still required, et cetera, et cetera. I would hate to go into a meeting with a vendor where they say, okay, how many installs have you got? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that would yeah, be an absolute nightmare. To be in. Yeah. 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 So I think that would be a hate is not knowing. Uh, and yeah. a love is data, definitely. Fantastic. And then looking kind of stargazing, um, yeah. future gazing with ITAM, um, where do you kind of see the industry heading? Are there any big trends you're seeing that, that are good and bad? Um, it's, uh, it's becoming very cloud-based. Um, so mm. SaaS is obviously a huge topic. It's been around for years now, but it's starting to, well, I think it actually has overtaken perpetual installs or or local installs or things like that so it is pushing you know to be the main issue um of how we manage SaaS usage um whether that's like azure or you know aws or anything like that um and even finops mm. which i had a conversation with someone recently about and 
they recommended I read Cloud FinOps. Um, and so that's on my to-do list. <laughs> but FinOps is definitely a, a hot topic um, within ITAM. Does seem to be the battleground that's being prepared of who's going to own FinOps and yeah, yeah ITAM yeah. has a lot, you know, has a lot to uh, contribute in this space. So, um, yeah, so watching this space within it, it's one of those topics that's coming up almost every conversation we have now. You know, it was only a few years ago it wasn't it wasn't at all. So it's amazing how some of these trends can just pop on the radar and suddenly everyone's interested. Yeah, it was it was brought up quite a few times at a recent event I went to. So it's definitely, you know, on the tip of everyone's tongue. It is a hot topic. Yeah. Okay. The last section of this, these interviews, we like to kind of just think about the kind of the, the future, the future ITAM professionals, and you know how people get into it. I mean, we've, as as your story reflects, a lot of people come into ITAM via a, you know an unusual route. There's never there's never a yeah. kind of there's no ITAM apprentice that you, apprenticeship that you do when you you straight in. You That's know, true. Not something you study at school and and plan for at school. So, um, so we're kind of. Have you had any mentors or anyone that's kind of guided you through, whether officially or unofficially? Um, it's kind of helped you in, you know, even people you've just looked up to that have helped you in your in your career. Um, it's, it's quite difficult because I've I've probably reached a stage now where it's only just yeah I'm, I mean I'm probably the start of my proper item career I've done everything beforehand obviously um software and hardware wise and I've, I've talked about the different stages of you know what I've worked in and what I've done but I, I haven't actually had a real item manager manage me um so <laughs> probably not but I mean, I can give some advice to future. Yeah, yeah. What tips would you have? Yeah, I'd say um, probably the easiest route, and this may sound silly, but the easiest route into, into IT and into ITAM itself as well is service desk, first line, yeah. uh, whether that's EEC support or just service desk, because they learn so much on that job. Um, it's so varied and they help so many different departments and, and teams within IT um, that if it does intrigue them or it does like kind of pique their interest, they can do secondments, they can push for um, analyst jobs where, you know, if they're really data driven, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. Um, but definitely through the first line is, is the easiest way to get in. And a lot of the service desk jobs out there at the moment just need you to be good at general customer service. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've done a networks course or something on on that level, even better. But you you can definitely land a, a service desk job and move up from there into into an item position. Yeah, that does seem to be the path for a number of people actually that we've spoke that I've spoken to. Um, that either they came up through the service desk or that is their kind of official recruit recruiting role, for, especially internally. You know, taking people internally within the company. Yeah, yeah. Turning them up from service desk, um, and there's a kind of sense that um, there's a confidence as well from the service desk because if you've been able to handle very challenging customers, then any internal stakeholder is kind of quite easy. <laughs> you know, you know, if you if you've got to go in and um, 
you know you're facing an audit yeah you know you've dealt with far worse <laughs> so yeah no it's, it it's definitely the, the the easiest route um yeah. it's a shame that there aren't you know any i don't know how to pronounce how to how to kind of word this but it's a shame that that's probably one of the only routes yeah. um, i have known of other people like business analysts um to switch once they had to help out on a project or you know something of that sort once they're really kind of delved into a really hard project like a microsoft renewal for example um if it's a large complex one that they have the skills kind of in a way mm -hmm. um to make a switch to maybe an analyst role learn more about the, the other practices the other processes um and kind of niche out into sam have so, you seen much of a, a recruitment challenge in in itam have you have you witnessed I have, that at all? I have yeah. actually. Yeah. I, I, I speak to a couple recruiters, um, not because I'm looking or anything like that, but because they often reach out to the ITAM community to say, you know, do you know anyone who'd be good for this position, etc. And I've 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 seen a couple where they're trying to hire for a position, and the wage is just completely off. Um, mm. And I've said to them up front, you, you are going to have a lot of trouble trying to hire that position, trying to fill that position with that wage. And I will just see that same post up for months. Um, Interesting. You know, reappearing because the company doesn't quite understand, um, you know, what they need. Um, undervalued. Absolutely. Time being undervalued. Yeah. Absolutely. In the recent years, it has, it has taken a step up. Um, Fortunately, um, but there are still places that like to think, you know, an ITAM manager or a SAM manager, um, you know, is is just counting computers, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, just counting computers. They don't need much. Yeah, yeah, basically, Excel spreadsheets. All they need. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my love and hate for spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, no matter what job you have, you can't get away from a spreadsheet, can you? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, that's kind of taken us to the end of of, our, of my list of questions on, on these. Is there anything else you wanted to to talk about um, in your role, or otherwise we can we can leave it here? Yeah, no, I'd say uh, a good friend once told me um, for ITAM to succeed, you need a strong combination of people, processes, and tooling or technology. Um, so I'll leave it at that. But basically. If you don't have one of those three, it's going to be impossible. <laughs> Sound advice. Sound advice. All right, Melad, thank you very much. It's great speaking to you, George. Thank you.